This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast for the 27th of October, and here we are with my fabulous co-host for part two of what? What is it, Jon? What? What's the fabulous topic today? Well, all I can say is you said you didn't need me again, then you got in the guest again, and we're doing more continuous integration, continuous deployment with our fantastic guest Chris Short who returned to join us for another episode of Pure Goodness. Indeed, indeed. And uh yeah, let's let's just hook straight into it with uh let's let's connect to Chris. Chris, are you there? Welcome back Chris. Again uh, hey, educating you. us on all things CICD. Well, I'm trying. I mean, there's a lot to it. So, you know, the the idea here is that I do my best and that hopefully you can take that and learn and go forward with it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not I have I don't have all the answers. I just have a lot of beginning answers. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Well, it's it's (laughs) something that's moving really quickly. It's something that's always evolving, like everything in this space. So no, it's 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 good to have uh, it's good to have opinions and and people with uh, with thoughts on CICD, so yeah. we. I just, I just want to say that Chris, true to his world word, didn't eat the entire elephant last time, so he came back for a second part. There we go. Very second good. Sitting. You cannot eat the whole elephant at one time. You take it in small bites. You got to iterate on it. <laughs> so we we talked through CICD, a brief kind of intro. Let's let's go a little bit deeper, and we. We touched on throughout the first session some of the different tools that that people use or have used. Some of these are a little bit uh, long in the tooth at this point, but still in pretty pretty heavy usage. Um, exactly. What what tooling what tooling makes up a CI/CD pipeline? So a lot of so like you need you need a tool, right? Like you need at least one tool that's basically like I'm a scripting engine, I'm an execution engine. I can do multiple things that Mm -hmm. you're going to need, like integrating GitHub repositories, integrating APIs, tying all these things together so that you have a coherent and workable pipeline, right? Like you hear the word pipeline over and over and over again in this industry. And there's a reason why. It's because you need to look at your software as something like a, you know, car manufacturer would, right? Like it's, a continuous delivery of parts and pieces and things until you have a finished product. And then guess what? You start over again the next time, right? But you're using software. You can do this way faster than a car manufacturer does. Mm-hmm. So if you look at things like, uh, what is it called? Toyota Kata, my friend Mike Rother from the University of Michigan nearby. Um, he wrote and has done an amazing amount of work around what's called Toyota Kata, which if you've ever heard of DevOps, or if you've read the Phoenix Project, you've heard of the Andon Cord. It's actually mm-hmm. a button now. But what the Andon Cord does uh, in Toyota factories, uh, or the button, I should say, the Andon button, is it stops everything. It stops the entire production line. Everything comes to a halt. There's a problem. Someone has identified a problem. It's a quality issue. It's some kind of issue. You know, It could be a fitting. It could be a screw is loose. It could be something's not right from the previous step. We're stopping the line. We're fixing this now. We're going to make sure it never happens again. If we have to pull this part off, 
and then try and iterate on it, you know, later, earlier in the chain to make it work, we will. So that way, as things come back to this person, they're in the right condition, right? Mm-hmm. The line starts, you know, mm-hmm. and there's timers in place, you know, is how long can the line be down? How long until a fix can, you know, some fix has to be in place by, you know, a certain amount of time, right? Like there's all kinds of ways you can do that within your organization to say, hey, the build is broken, everybody in, like all hands on deck until we figure out why it's broken, why it's not continuing forward. You know, at that point, anything in your pipeline, like a tool like Jenkins, a tool like, uh, you know, your your GitHub Actions or your GitLab CI or your Azure DevOps, uh, those tools, if they have a red box, that's a red flag for your entire team or anyone in that, you know, whatever department, whatever, you know, widget maker uh, section is, you know, doing because that is the key to your operations at that point, right? So if it goes red, you need to figure out why as fast as possible. So pushing that button and having everyone swarm the problem will solve it a lot faster than letting it continue on into, you know, production. That way, quality is packed in. It's, it's no longer, oh, crap, it runs like crap in production. Whoops. Um, right. Like, you know, in advance when these problems occur, because you've got the testing baked in. You've got all the APIs and all the ways you can expose your APIs tested. Um, and you can actually build your documentation this way. There's all kinds of tooling that helps you with this now. It's, it's amazing the bevy of tooling that's out there. All these little things you could pull in to just make your software delivery so much more fun and that's what it's all about it's fun <laughs> it also uh, the last uh, episode as well the things you're talking about it requires a certain amount of openness i mean the, the the button you talk about it shuts down everything there's no way of just oh i did something wrong nobody noticed it it has mm-hmm. to be in the open it has to be a group a team effort and is it hard you think Everybody for organizations to get that cultural step to be able to just agree to be open it is the single hardest thing ever, right? Like this is the hardest part of your entire process is getting buy-in, right? And I mentioned it last episode where sometimes it's just an, an ops person and a dev person doing things together and showing off some wins and just getting some more allies on board, right? Like culture shifts are hard. And if you're coming from an organization that's used to running like a 500 line spreadsheet for their release process, you've got a long road ahead of you. And you need to recognize that in advance. This isn't going to happen in six months. It could take a year to 18 months before you have significant progress, right? Like you need to celebrate your small victories like they're the Super Bowl, right? Like, yeah. like it's the biggest thing ever because your victories are going to come in few and far between at first. So celebrate them big time when like someone's like, hey, that's really cool. Can we adopt that? Or, hey, that's really cool. We want to bring it in, you know, and actually use it. So, like, celebrate your wins early and often, but definitely make sure that you have wins to celebrate early and often. That's a big thing, yeah. right? Like, you can't, you got to show people progress. You yeah. can't stagnate. You can't let people wait. Oh, yeah, we're waiting on DevOps to happen, right? Like, I've seen that, like, <laughs> in organizations before. Yeah, and it's like, no, that's not quite how this works, folks. Um, you kind of have to buy into it, too, right? Um it's not yeah, just yeah. the ops team. It's not just the dev team. It's not just a dev ops team. It's an entire organizational agreement, essentially, that we need to work together more. 
We need to be more open with each other. We need to be more open about what we're doing in life in general. Yeah. So like when, if you're talking about, and we've kind of already started on that topic, getting started with CICD, like obviously there's the organizational buy-in side of things. There's, there's sort of getting people excited and interested in, in this way of approaching things. It's, you know, the company, the company's got to be aligned behind this, this direction as a whole. But on the on the technical side, where like where do you start? Do you just start with one small team as a as like a a proof point? Do you try the 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 big bang approach? You know what's the what's your recommendation for for how folks should, should start to start this whole cycle off? Find your easiest problem, mm-hmm. solve it, solve it in this manner, and then go from there. Right. Like don't, don't try and tackle the hardest thing first. You'll fail. Um, I think that's what a lot of people realize is that like, if you aim too high with this at first, you will burn yourself in the sun. Right. Like, you know, the story of Icarus kind of thing. Um, if you fly too close, you will get burnt. Uh, the, the, the things that I tell people is like, you know, monitoring is often a problem, right? Mm. Like you've got to get good monitoring in place for any of this use CICD to build your monitoring, right? Like build agents, whatever, if you need to install agents or yeah. run containers next to something or however it is you need to run your monitoring, build that out as a continuous integration piece. That way you now have that pipeline in place to build in other pieces, right? Mm-hmm. If it's actual code or if it's some new tool that you need to put in for security, or you know somebody else wants to plug into the pipeline with something else to make sure their check is run, they can do it. So, you know, there's a lot of tools that do this. You know, yeah. I think tools matter a lot less than like what works, right? So, like <laughs> Ansible is like that's simple to learn, but then you get into some scaling issues at points, right? Like where like there's some rough edges around Ansible sometimes. Terraform is really hard to learn, and but it's everywhere. So, uh, but then you have some legacy tools like Puppet. You have you know things like Jenkins, which can do a lot, but sometimes you have to pair it with a tool like a Terraform or an Ansible. And then you have things like GitHub Actions, where if you're using GitHub already, you have this yeah. capability right there in front of you. Just learn how to use it and activate it, and you can start building you know a chain of actions that occur like pass, fail, pass, fail, pass, fail. They just keep going and going and going until, boom, you have a tarball that's ready to get deployed or, you know, some artifact that's ready to get deployed or, you know, it goes out to production the CD fashion, you know, hundreds of times because you've built it in a way that you can iterate on it feature-wise, right? Yeah. Like you have to think of each thing as a feature, not as a whole product. So that's why you see like more product managers nowadays, because you see more people adopting this kind of methodology, which means you need people to, you know, run smaller teams, but you need, you know, those skills still just, you know, it could be one person as opposed to a team of these people. Right. Yeah. So you see a lot of uh, like OpenShift is a lot of different projects kind of put together under (laughs) one umbrella that Red Hat does. Um, And, you know, our PMs overlap. We, you know, I work with them every day. They're great. I love working with them. 
um, but they have a lot on their plate, right? Like when you look at Kubernetes monitoring as a feature, right? That's a lot. Have you seen the event log that pops out of Kubernetes? It's a lot, right? Like <laughs> SE, look at the metrics. has its own <laughs> thing, right? Like it's its own whole beast. But guess what? That's in every single C. That's in every single Kubernetes cluster. Yep. So if you're trying to do, you know, cloud native CI/CD, the tooling and the landscape changes completely because you're not dealing with like big iron anymore and these mm -hmm. big systems. You're dealing with containers and small images, hopefully, or maybe it's a large image at first, and then you kind of whittle away at it yeah. using your CI pipeline, right? Like again, it's you don't need an elephant one a bite; you take a bite at a time. Yeah. And, and and I found that sometimes the tooling can't evolve. Uh, I actually worked at a place for a few months uh, here in Detroit uh, before it got acquired. Um, we were using Ansible at first. Uh, there were some things that Ansible couldn't handle for us, so we moved some things over to Terraform. And we were using Ansible and Terraform and Jenkins all together with Docker. <laughs> it was a mess. But uh, <laughs> it all worked together in harmony, you know. Uh, but when you think about it now, it's like, oh, my gosh, wow, you were kind of like really pushing the edge because there wasn't tooling out there like there is now. Mm -hmm. And that's why. Right. Like you didn't have things like like Tecton. That's a cloud native way of doing things. And, and Docker was very, you know, Kubernetes was still immature. Right. Like CoreOS hadn't been acquired by Red Hat yet. Right. Like, I mean, yeah, it hadn't even I mean, it was the 1.0 or 1.0 X days of Kubernetes. And now we're yeah. up to 119. So. It's it's come a long way in a very short amount of time. And I think that's going to be the nature of the industry, right? Like you the best thing you can do for yourself now as a person or as an organization is become a learning organization or become a learning person and not get stuck in your ways and saying that, yeah, just because I have Ansible in my toolkit this week doesn't mean that it'll be in my toolkit next week. Like you need to be comfortable with that. You need to be able to learn new tools and get, you know, some minimum viability out of them quickly and the tooling makers and the vendors know that and yeah. they know that you're in this situation now where everything's coming at you all at once and you need real tools that just get out of your way so there's yeah. a lot of people in this space now but also know that know that there's uh there's a there's going to be a time and place where that thing that you know and you love and you've put all that time and effort into you know has been surpassed and don't don't get too yeah. attached to the stuff and, and, you know that's, any of this because that it's that's the that's the cycle we're in now that that's the continuous yeah. pace of innovation that that's kind of hitting us it's it's not exactly a you know a, a good term anymore but it's the pets versus cattle terminology is what we call it right like <laughs> you know I, I name my servers here in the house or my quote servers here in the house by you know looney tunes characters but like I don't treat them like that. That's just so I can uniquely identify them, right? Um, I very much like <laughs> tear down systems left and right all the time because mm -hmm. I know that like this data is the, the, the infrastructure is here, the data is here, right? All I have to do is hit, you know, Ansible Playbook Go and I'll get that system back exactly the way I had it. Um, I, don't, I don't have to worry about failed storage, right? Like, okay, a Raspberry Pi failed. Put in a new card, run the playbook, done. It'll be doing what you need it to do in a minute, right? Like, same thing happens with um, you know any kind of CI/CD platform in Kubernetes land, right? Like, it's going to run as as fast as Kubernetes can run it, 
right? Like at that point, hardware is your limitation, right? Like there's the only thing that'll slow you down is the amount of compute you're willing to put towards the effort, um, yeah. or you know, a storage array or something like that, right? Like the the limitations are literally compute, um, and that's where we touch on things like last episode where I said, you know, speed is safety in software. And we have tons of data to prove that when you go look at the book Accelerate from Nicole Forsgren and all the state of ops reports since you, you know, you've seen organizations moving software out to production faster and that making it more safe, which is the exact opposite. Like you need to be ready to turn your world upside down to embrace some of these concepts sometimes. And that I think is the hardest thing for most people is the idea that change is something we have to embrace as technologists. We work with high tech stuff. High tech stuff stays high tech. It doesn't go low tech all of a sudden, right? Like it you know, you don't you don't typically right like you know, run a record player, run a cassette player, run a CD player, and then stop, right? Like now you're doing streaming services. Right. Like if it, you know, I mean, that's just the nature of the business we're in. Right. Change is constant. And this yep. is technology. Yeah. But last time as well, we talked a lot about culture and changing culture is the hardest thing to do. And mm. I, uh, in my business life, I work a lot with government uh, organizations, things like that. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, it's a lot of fun, actually, because I'm there to help them change. But it's hard because a lot of these companies hard. are still this is the tool puppet has been good for years. I'm not changing that. Are you crazy? Why would I change this? Why would exactly. I, I put all this effort, time and energy into it? Why would I change this? And it's well, not because, because of bad you people. can actually do that with four lines of code and this other thing. Yeah. And it's not because <laughs> of bad people. It's just because it's a culture thing. So yeah, it's very much a, you have to be not attached to the things you do, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's, you have to be attached to the value you're providing, yeah, yeah. not the thing you're building, but, right? Like focus on the right business thing, which or organizational thing, which is the value you and your tooling can provide to your company, yeah. right? Like no one cares that Puppet's done this for 20 years for you yeah. for, for wonderfully. No one cares you're still using CF Engine and it just works great for you, right? Like what value have you delivered with that? Yeah, yeah. Is but, it actually still doing good things for you? And I like the organization thing because getting this culture change, that's not just the technology either. That's not just the IT department. That's HR. That's marketing. That's finance. the whole company. Yeah. Finance. When, I, when I tell people that they're about to get in, in like into the cloud game, I tell them you need to ally and finance because there's going to be AWS languages and contracts that they have asterisks and you don't know what the hell they mean. This isn't your ball game. That's their ball game. So... I always tell people, you need somebody, if you're moving to AWS and you're working with your team to do this AWS stuff, you need to bring somebody from finance to come and kind of help you digest this. Mm -hmm. So that means they got to be on board with continuous exactly. change too, right? Like they have to be able to move from a CapEx to an OpEx model yep. to an extent, right? Like It's, it's a language that's change. That's huge. That's huge yeah. when you're moving for the cloud. So that's why you see hybrid cloud happening because there's there's realizations that you know, yes, there is some stuff that maybe would be better running here in-house versus in the cloud. You know, I can amortize this over five years, and that does make more sense for my mm -hmm. business than, you know, spending OpEx money or CapEx money, right? However you, whatever flavor or color of money you call it these days. Yeah, it's just a tool. Tool doesn't matter. People exactly, do. yeah. right? Like, you would never tell a plumber 
what kind of wrench they could use. Right. Of course I do. Cause like, I love everything better. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, me. I mean, why would you tell your software people, this is the kind of wrench they have to use. Yeah. You're a finance person. You don't know what kind of wrench they need. You don't know what kind of, you know, they don't need a wrench at all. They need a screwdriver. How would you know? You know? <laughs> so yeah. like work together. You, you have, you built up an org chart of silos. Yeah. Kind of flatten that a little bit. Right. When you're, when you're talking about change though, and you're talking about, a lot of the the kind of don't don't stay too attached. There's always there's got to be some sort of middle ground as well, like, because oh, there there's you can't just have an organization continuously cycling through tool after tool after tool after tool and never delivering delivering any benefit. So there's yeah, the, that's that's shiny, that's like shiny, the yeah, yeah shiny object yes. syndrome is is the killer of many things. But like that's the right. opposite end of that spectrum. You've got some organizations on one side that are like, I've used this thing for the last 20 years. Why would I want to use anything different? And you've got the other end of the organization, uh, you know, other end of organizations or people or cultures or whatever that are going, oh, you know, I've just read a blog about this thing that was just written yesterday. I'm going to immediately start using and mandating yeah. and deploying that everywhere, which is why it's really important to to try and find a balanced position in in this you know find something that that you fits right for you yeah exactly exactly you need you need to be able to evaluate tools in a holistic fashion because no no kidding uh, i was trying to help somebody during kubecon eu 2020 and they were relying on this like one overt driver that some red hatter wrote on their own right and like <laughs> that was the linchpin of their infrastructure like, what are you? You're not going to get support on somebody's random thing they wrote on GitHub for a shim that they were doing for this one project. Why did you put that in your infrastructure? Okay, let's let's solve that problem, yeah. right? Like, but but remember, both ends of the spectrum aren't yeah. looking at the value prop, right? Like, what value is this tool going to bring to me? What value does Kubernetes bring to me? Yes, it increases my compute density, sure, but what does that actually mean? You know, the, if you're not going to use it the right way, you know, we call it the empty cluster problem. If you're not going to use the cluster, what's the good in it sitting there? You know, great. You've got Kubernetes. What's it doing? <laughs> is it adding value or is it just sitting there wasting CPU cycles? Like my cluster is right now because I haven't done anything with it yet. <laughs> you know, <right? laughs> I just set it up last night. So that that's totally on me. Uh, but the, the thing is, is like, you know, the, uh, the idea of, you know, having these new tools just constantly churn out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. They happen every day. Like, go go watch GitHub. You'll see tools all the time. But, like, I write newsletters. And we put tools in newsletters. And even we have requirements before we say, you know, this GitHub can enter the newsletter, right? Like, it has to have, you know, more than two contributors or, you know, whatever, right? Like, you know, even we have a certain threshold to just mention the project. Because we know that mentioning it is going to give it attention. In some cases, right? Like I contribute to Cube Weekly. That's a big newsletter, right? Like it's the Kubernetes newsletter. Uh, if we mention a project in there, it's going to get hundreds of thousands of clicks potentially, hundreds or thousands of clicks. Sorry. Um, so we want to make sure that there's a threshold of quality everywhere, right? This goes into everything you do now, right? Like you need to look at like you know, are you going to be able to put your best self forward? for this one thing today, 
If not, work on something different, right? Like you have to make this determination every day. And sometimes you got to suck it up and work on the thing you don't like to do. Like my thing is storage, right? Like I hate storage. There's so many <laughs> thousands of ways that physics can make this go wrong, right? Like, like storage is such an involved and in-depth thing. And like, I, I just really, really, really have avoided it over the years. Well, it bit me last night. Guess what, right? Like you have to be comfortable with learning new things. I know more about Ray than I ever have in, you know, four decades of existence on this planet in the past 24 hours. So, <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes you have to embrace things that you don't necessarily enjoy as part of this process. That's just life, right? Like I'm trying to just teach you life lessons, essentially. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, there's there's tooling that stinks and you have to deal with it sometimes. Yep. But guess what? It's DevOps or it's CICD, or it's whatever you want to call it, you can iterate on it and make it better. You can change it. You have the power. You have this, you have the technology. You have the power so. within you and without you and beside you. Um, so <laughs> amongst you. Yeah, exactly. Where the power's everywhere. Um, so we, yes. we've kind of touched through both episodes. I think some of the areas where people kind of can take a wrong turn and can end up in a uh, a sort of a back alley cul-de-sac sobbing away about how everything went wrong. What would you say, are, like, what are some of the major kind of pitfalls that you'd recommend people just, you know, top top couple off the top of your head that people really just pay attention to these and, and hopefully won't go too far wrong? Security, number one. Security mm -hmm. will like a dampener and everything get them on board early yeah. right like show them like hey we built this pipeline it can do this thing does your tool have an api that we could call so that we could scan our code for like put it in the terms that like you're trying to make their job just a smidgen easier or like does your thing help us do our thing can we glue this thing together chances are they'd be like wait this increases our security you know like posture this improves mm -hmm. our security posture yeah they're going to be on board with that it might take a little explaining at first obviously right like all things do but yeah security people are logical you know they're 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 very much like oh wait this is going to stop things from entering production cool yes let's prevent that from happening ever again right like <laughs> we don't want some stress vulnerability to get into prod and ruin our day so we're going to buy this thing that checks our software for CVEs constantly, right? And it's going to auto-recommend. Like, even GitHub has this now. It's in beta. Uh, they will do code scanning. You know, it's going to be a feature that they add in to the GitHub repository because they realize it is such a pervasive problem. So they're already baking it into their product. You should bake it into yours no matter what, right? So security is always going to be your number one pitfall. Mm -hmm. Um, and then finance is gonna be your second one because ultimately you're gonna want something and you don't have the financial, you know, systems in place to acquire it, like an AWS account. Sure, you can swipe a credit card and expense it all day long, but that bill's gonna grow. Yeah. If you go look at my website, I got a twenty seven hundred dollar bill on accident once. So, <laughs> right, like if you all of a sudden one day you get a ten thousand dollar bill or some threshold where all of a sudden swiping your credit card is going to get you in deep kimchi 
you better have some friends, right? Like, and you better be ready to like explain what went wrong and build in that lesson learned into your technology, right? All your mistakes, if they can be fixed, that means they can be fixed in the pipeline. So that means this thing becomes more rigid and more stable over time, not more fragile and more, you know, monolithic over yeah. time. All right. So what, I guess, where does, where do you see CICD going next? Where do you see the, so, the kind of next, yeah. the next iterations? The, the next iteration is doing it all in Kubernetes with containers, right? Like, We've kind of got the immutable infrastructure piece figured out. We've got CICD figured out. We've got, you know, all this figured out on bare metal. Now we got to do it at containers at Kubernetes speed. And that's getting hard um, because now you're talking about like thousands of API calls potentially in your pipeline if you do it wrong. Uh, <laughs> if you do it right, it's as few calls as possible. And why yeah. I say like look at it from an API call perspective because that's latency. Mm -hmm. um, that's also cost sometimes if you look at some of the services that you might be calling, yeah. right? Like AWS often bills on API usage, mm -hmm. not necessarily like storage or like that's cheap, right? Like, but that, uh, elastic cash thing is very expensive. <laughs> yeah. You know, it depends, right? Like you, you gotta make sure that you're, you're using these things in the right way so that you're not like, yeah, I'm running at Kubernetes speed, but oh yeah, I just blew through all my AWS credits for the year, you know? <laughs> Um, you've got to, 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 to make sure that your things are minimalistic, right? Small iterative changes, big impact over time, yeah. right? That's the goal. Um, I think the most wonderful example, I think of a DevOps transition that I could probably tell you story-wise is, uh, when I was at Duke university. The, it was very much a stodgy IT, no cloud, you can't have it. I mean, this was 2017. This was not like cloud was new or anything. Um, so they they built this project. It was a data science sharing you know, storage service um, so that more researchers could have access to more data, which is exactly what everybody in the research institution wanted. 100% um, aligned with their goals. 100% did not do it the way they wanted us to. They wanted <laughs> to do it all in sight. Sorry, we can't get compute fast enough to, you know, actually do the work to anonymize this data so that we can share it. But guess who can? Heroku. Guess mm -hmm. what your paperwork does? Allows us to put anything in this field. Guess what we did? We did all the paperwork. We did everything, you know, the perfect stodgy IT way, however you want to call it, whatever it was called at the time, whatever process, ITIL, uh, whatever you want to call it, you know, <laughs> did everything the way. Dotted all the I's, crossed all the T's, said exactly what we were going to do. And an organization that had banned cloud, they approved it. They were pencil whipping everything. We just completely shot their process in the head. <laughs> and it was one of the most successful projects ever because it involved the entire campus. It involved the entire research institute, right? So everybody got a benefit from this, except the IT department, who then <laughs> realized that cat's out of the bag. We screwed ourselves. We didn't even follow our own processes. So, yeah, like, seriously, you can do this. There's ways to do it. You could be gangster about it. <laughs> you could go about it, you know, <laughs> but ask please for don't. permission or forgiveness. <laughs> Take your choice. Um, yeah. Your mileage may vary. 
but yeah, like that organization quickly started embracing cloud and the entire, the CIO completely changes tune. Everybody changed their tune, right? Like it was immediately like, how can we use this to our advantage? You know, now we see the benefit of it. Fantastic. Fantastic. So with that, I think once more, uh, really appreciate your time, Chris. It's been great chatting with you about all things CICD. Yeah, thanks a lot, Chris. And for people who want to see more of Chris, there's openshift.tv. Go there. He's there every day, three times a day, and more. Sometimes <laughs> more. <laughs> I don't think, actually, I only have, I, I will not be on screen tomorrow. I am only producing tomorrow. So that's an interesting day for me. Um, so yeah, I'll actually get some work done. Uh, <laughs> so thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being no here. And that's it. Unfortunately, our travels with Chris have come to an end with this uh, second and last episode of the CICD story with Chris Short. Thank you very much to Chris for spending time with us. I think it was a very useful um, piece of information we were able to put together with his help and only with his help was this possible. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's the end of this particular session with Chris, but uh, there's, there's certainly plenty more depth we could go in for this. And uh, I'm sure Chris would be happy to, uh, to come back at a later date. So who knows if, if there's a, a topic you'd like us to dig into with Chris, give us a shout. Yeah, as we showed last time as well, Chris is active on a lot of different places. So any CNCF, Kubernetes, uh, OpenShift, there's a lot we can talk with Chris about. So make sure to visit him on his other activities as well. And as Dave says, with a bit of luck, we might feature Chris again shortly or maybe less shortly. I don't know. We'll see what the future brings. <laughs> with that, unless you have anything else to add. That's it for me. And then that is all the CICD time we have for today. You can support this podcast. You can still become a patron. Every contribution helps. We're on YouTube. As you can plainly see, you can like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. As you see, we now have guests on the show, so make sure you don't miss our upcoming guests in the next months. You can go to www.roaringoff.org. You can find a link to the Patreon page for more information about the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter using the at Roaring Elephant tag. And you can send feedback to the email podcast at RoaringElephant.org. Until next time, my, is, uh, my name is uh, yeah, no longer continuous, Jon. And my name is fully deployed, fully done, and uh, released into the world, Dave. Oh, but not discontinued. Okay. We look forward to talking to you <laughs> next week. Goodbye. See you then.